This episode contains material of a sensitive nature around trauma, death and loss. If you are feeling emotionally distressed or triggered, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or refer to the show notes for additional supports. The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. You're tuning in to Flawed and Fabulous. I'm Ash, and I like to think that we are all flawed, but we are also fucking fabulous. Welcome to episode seven. In today's episode, I am taking um, a little bit of a back seat. Um, producer Courts is here with me today. Hi, Courts. Hello, Ash. And we also have our first guest. Um, and given the um, the subject topics that we're going to be discussing today, um, Courtney will be producing the episode, and um, I'm going to hand the reins over to her now. Thanks, Ash. So today is an episode that obviously we've talked about doing for some time and you get a lot of DMs asking about this because we've touched on the passing of your husband a little bit before on the podcast, Mm -hmm. but you haven't really gone into detail. So um, your therapist, Monique, who is here with us today, who we'll introduce shortly, uh, had said that she was available and so you thought that was a perfect time and a safe environment for you to discuss this story. Yes. So that's what we'll be talking about Mm -hmm. today. This will likely be two parts just to give everybody a heads up. So Ash will go into what happened on that day and how she's grown from that since then and all the work that she's done to get to this place. And then the second part, we'll discuss more about um, more into the work and like how you've been able to grow and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm feeling really anxious. Um, I am definitely ready to, to share this story with everyone now that um, Monique has said that it's safe for everyone and it's safe for me and that's obviously a priority for myself too is that I've done a lot of work and, um, you know, I didn't want to do it um, incorrectly and I was very grateful that Monique agreed to come onto the podcast to do it. So it was done um, with the respect and the right emotion that it was rather than just like kind of um, like a basic retelling of it which could be quite triggering for others. So I wanted to make sure that, um, yeah, that it was definitely safe. Right, so let's welcome Monique. She's your therapist and she's from Ritual Counselling. Welcome, Monique. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, My name is Monique Harding. I'm a relationship and family therapist and accredited clinical mental health social worker. And I also own Ritual Counselling and Family Therapy. That's my private practice, which is based in Burley. And I work with people around relationship and interpersonal kinds of issues. So that's kind of my niche. Things like blended families, like affairs, dating, parenting, grief and loss. And sometimes those kind of things can present in mental health symptoms. So things like anxiety, depression. Okay. And tell us a little bit about either your, maybe asked you want to tell us about how many came into your life and the yep. process. So, um, Good old Google is how I found Monique. Uh, When uh, Eden and I first started to blend our family, we um, noticed that there were some speed bumps (laughs) in in our way and um, we didn't know how to deal with them. Eden has his own grief and loss that he's going through. Um, Then obviously our children have their own issues and we just knew that we needed kind of a professional third party to deal with, you know, all these things. Like we didn't grow up with our parents missing. So 
um, I kind of took the reins and I was like, we need, you know, to find someone. Went to Google. Everything looked really clinical and I was like, oh, you know, I'm not really like that. And then um, I found Monique's webpage, read about her and um, I thought, oh, this is a good fit. So we obviously went and had a little tester session. Um, it started out with just Eden and I. And um, we, um, like, I don't know if you're supposed to, this. you can answer this, Monique. I don't know if you're supposed <laughs> to have like a bond with your therapist, but I do think that you're supposed to have some sort of rapport relationship. You spend a lot of time there, you know, you're going into your feelings. And if it's not someone that you really want value or trust what they're saying, well, it's kind of just a waste of it's not a waste of time. I shouldn't say it like that. But I think if you want to get the most out of it, you have to kind of go shopping. You have to find the the best fit for you. And at what point after Horn's passing did you start working with Monique? So I did go to therapy um, just after Horn passed away. It wasn't with Monique. It was with someone else. Um, and um, she was also great. But at the time, um, I probably wasn't ready for therapy. I did take myself to therapy because I felt like I was too fine. And that was kind of like freaking me out. I was like, why am I like this? Like, I don't really cry. And everyone's like, you know, you're amazing. You're so strong. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't really feel like that. And I don't want people to think that I'm like that. And I also thought, what if I have this big meltdown? I've got these two little kids. I'm on my own. Um, I'm going to be in the shopping centre crying on the floor and, you know, have had some triggering incident and I didn't go to therapy and I'd only have myself to blame. So um, when I went to therapy, went through everything, um, the therapist was quite clear in the fact that you are fine now, but this, not like this isn't over, but like (laughs) it was more, you know, watch for the signs, take care of yourself and you know where I am if you need to come back. They, um, she did suggest visiting her like six months later um, and, and at the, that time I hadn't really changed in like how I was feeling so I didn't actually go to that appointment. That was um, something that I chose um, and then I would say it was nearly 18 months after Horn's passing that we reached out to Monique, maybe a little bit maybe closer to two years. Yeah. Okay. All right. So before we start discussing the topic today, let's do the usual angel cards. Yes. So we still have to have, you know, some (laughs) spirituality, some fun. Um, So Monique has never done angel cards before. So this is a number two. (laughs) Um, And so Monique has um, hit the deck and shuffled the cards and now she's going to pick out her card. So just pick a deck? Yeah. You can pick from top, bottom, anywhere you like. Once you've got the card, flip it over and... Ooh. (laughs) Child. Child. Okay, so you read that and then I'll find the message in the book. You care deeply about children and they readily respond to your love. All children, including your own inner child, require love, affection and attention. We can clear and open your heart and schedule so that you can give more time and energy to the children who need you. See, and like Monique, this is what I love when she's like, oh my, because she's a child therapist. So like your whole career is based on that and you have children yourself. Mm. Um, This card signifies that a child is affecting some aspect of your question. This could be your own child, your desire for a child, a young family member or your present or future work in helping children. Have children been on your mind lately? If so, this card is proof that whatever you've been considering is valid. This includes spending more time with children and looking into areas of employment related to young ones. 
Additional meanings for this card. Your life purpose involves helping children. Be as a child. Pay attention to your inner child. A child in heaven is saying, I love you. Pregnancy or adoption might be a part of your life. How? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, spill it. <laughs> what, what, you obviously, because you're a therapist too, there is parts of your life that will remain private. Yes. So you can just be as professional or as public as you like. Oh, that card is so interesting. Look, I typically wouldn't um, divulge too much personal information in a professional setting, but I am actually just about to, I guess, return to more full-time-ish work since having my second baby. So that has definitely been on my mind. Yeah. See the cards, they work. I'm like, so I'm doing my. Maybe like, we need to get a bit more woo woo in the psychology yeah. world. <laughs> I think, um, was it before when I think when you first mentioned tapping to me, yes. which is um, a form of therapy, um, we didn't actually do it that day. We said we're going to do it, and then when Monique left, I did my cards, and the first thing I pulled was energy work, which basically said like there are therapies that you need to try. Like she literally just walked out of my house, and I pulled that card, and then I've like screenshotted it and take it, uh, sent an email through to Monique and I'm like, the angel cards. And she used the term woo-woo then <laughs> when um, I did it. And um, she's like, but maybe there's something more to it. I'm like, okay. I had this one the other day on my Insta stories, which is heart chakra. Love is the heart of the matter. Your heart is the center within your physical being and attuned most to love. It's safe for you to love and be loved with an open heart and we stand with perfect protection and guidance. Let's have everybody know that I get very nervous reading out loud and every <laughs> week I have to do this and it's mortifying. Okay. The angels give you this card because the answer to your question rests within your heart. The more you open your heart, the more love, joy and peace you'll feel. The Sorry, you can open your heart chakra by asking the angels to send their healing energy by visualizing your heart surrounded by pink light, by inhaling the fragrance of pink roses, by holding or wearing rose quartz crystal, and by focusing on love. Additional meaning for this card. Send love and light to your heart chakra. Take very good care of your cardiovascular. I was going to say circular vascular. <laughs> cardiovascular health through exercise and heart healthy eating. A departed loved one. Who passed from this heart condition? Wow! Yeah, I'm going to say that again. Sorry, a departed loved one who passed on from a heart condition is saying hello. I love you. Have a heart to heart discussion. How have you just pulled that card? Oh my gosh! This happens every week. Coming goosebumps. Yeah. So yeah, and um, I think I when did I I pulled that card very recently um, to do with the factory. I think it was the day that the factory was getting demolished. I pulled that card also. So <laughs> Connie and Monique's face, <laughs> even Aaron's a little bit like, I, I kind of, I'm okay. I'm seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Angel cards for the win again. But yeah, now we're going to obviously, um, I'm getting like a bit nervous. I feel like I um, need a sip of water. And um, yeah, so we're obviously going to get into what we are here to do. And I don't know where it's going to go. And I'm for some reason I'm worried I'm going to get upset and I actually want to get upset. Like it's just my personality that like being upset in front of people makes them feel bad. So mm. I'm trying to like. We've got the tissues <laughs> ready yeah, for I us know, all they're not here. usually there. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. So what are we, what are we going to do? I think we just start with 
tell us that what happened that okay. day. Start from the very beginning. Okay. Monique, what are you happy with that? Yeah. I mean, my first question would probably be more around um, tell us why it's important for you to tell this story. Okay. Just yep. to ground I you a little that. bit. Um, I think it's important for me to tell this story is that um, obviously um, when I had the idea for the podcast, part of it was to always be raw, honest, transparent. And I feel like as the episodes have been progressing and I'm sharing more of my life and people are, um, you know, giving me praise for being strong or, you know, thank you for sharing, I feel like I'm missing a huge chunk of the story and that a lot of people are like oh like what happened to him or um you know what is this all about or um you know why isn't she saying that like she's telling us everything else and I don't really care what people think but I'm so proud of um what I've been through and how I still am able to you know see positivity in my life um and how I live my life and how I care for others so um I don't think that it would really transcend properly without me sharing like what what I've really been through and not just the the pretty posts on social media because there's obviously a lot more to the story and it's just kind of proof that if you take the steps and you do the work and you be open and honest that you know there is there's always a rainbow at the end of the storm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that other people will get a lot from you sharing this as well. I kind of think of it as, you know, modern day narrative therapy where you're sharing your story so that other people can learn and process their own grief maybe in a more helpful way. And I think that the the stigma of um, mental health, mental wellness, as we've discussed, and also people being ashamed to say that they see a therapist, whether it be for personal issues or blending a family or, you know, trauma, grief, loss, um, it's there for a reason. People need it. There's no shame in asking someone for help. And I'm a super proud person and I hate asking people for help. And I have realised over time once I've actually started doing it, like the the more that I'm growing, the more patience I have for other people too because I'm more compassionate to situations where I'm like, well, if I can deal with this, how can you not deal with that? So, um, you know, and definitely channeling more of my emotional side because – yeah, it, it, it makes you personal, what makes you real. If you can't show your emotions, well, who are you? Mm. Like, and in my is, opinion. But this has been such a significant um, memory, hasn't it? Yeah. For you, you know, it was a significant turning point in your life and has yeah. continued to impact how you live your life and yeah. the person you really are yeah. sitting here today. So I think it's expected that you're feeling a little bit anxious. Yeah, yeah mouth is very dry. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the more you prolong something, yeah. it can make you feel more and more nervous. Yeah. So And Courtney, I, I have obviously discussed that at length too and with you. I've like been mounting back and forth and like when is the right time? I was always like I don't want to open the podcast with that. Like I think people need to understand like who I am and what I'm about and what I'm trying to do rather than just like, you know, emotionally dumping this like story and then um, not have proven that there is, you know, tools and work to be done to, you know, have a better outcome. And I guess with any memory, it has like a beginning, a middle and an end. Like that's how it's kind of stored in our brain. So where would you start, Ash, in terms of the beginning of this story you'd like to share? Mm. Yeah, 
like the the obvious answer is to say that this, this the start is like that day like what actually happened um and that's where we will like pick up but i think i just want to start by also saying that like who i am today took work mm. and i'm acknowledging that and um and some days i'm still not okay i'm i'm not healed i'm not fixed it's it's a work in progress and i think that's life in just general and um i just yeah really want that message to be that it's okay not to be okay but you need to like put your hand up and you need to speak up and say um you know i need some assistance or i need some me time or i need i need time alone if you're getting too smothered by people trying to help you like there's so many different aspects of um what people do in um a traumatic or a, a loss um scenario and there there isn't any right or wrong mm. um everyone's always trying to help um but realistically um you need to respect the person that's kind of at the center of it and feed off what what they need and not try and you know prolong like yeah. the intensity of the situation because sometimes I'll be having a great day and someone will just say something to me and I'm like okay really like, to bring you down not to, I don't think they're doing it they're just like I don't know how you do it mm. if I was you I'd be so sad and I'm like should I be sad like are they judging me for smiling yeah yeah so there's so many like ins and outs of that but yeah like I feel like drum roll <laughs> but um yeah so um by the time like this episode airs, because it is like a week or two in advance because of the part series, yeah. we'll actually be getting really close to Horn's three-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And that was also um, part of the reason why I thought like the time is now. I know that my um, social media will get like a little bit more um, because the same weekend he passed was our um, wedding anniversary. So um, there'll be a lot where I'll be expressing like how I feel and it's kind of like a really strange couple of days yeah. over that. But okay, so <sighs> nearly um, three years ago now, um, my husband Horn, he passed away and um, he drowned. So usually when I share that with people that kind of is like, oh, a 33-year-old male, like how does he drown? Was, was, it, was it at the beach? And then I'm like, no, it wasn't at the beach, it was at our home. Mm. So the, the very short part of that is that my 33-year-old husband drowned at home with his whole entire family there. So it was our wedding anniversary weekend and on the Friday we had gone out for um, dinner, just the two of us to celebrate and we had a wonderful night, you know, kids were being looked after and um, we had a great time. We were celebrating 10 years being together. So this year actually is our 10 year wedding anniversary but that was just 10 years being together. Um, the following day, I ha- well, actually that night I drank a little bit too much champagne. I was feeling a bit sick in the morning. So Horn being the gem that he was with the kids, packed them up for the day and took the motorbike riding. So they left before I had even lifted my head off the pillow and, um, they were gone all day. Um, and you know, they came home in the afternoon, like Horn had had a few beers I was still hung over so I wasn't drinking so um and he was like oh I'm gonna have some red wine now and so but we all went to bed relatively early Horn had gotten um a little bit 
too drunk. He was annoying me and I was like, you know, excuse my French, like you're a fuckhead. Like why are you getting drunk at home alone? Like go sleep in the spare room. Like you're fucking annoying me. Like I had said all these like really nasty things to him because I was just like you're an idiot and not things that I actually meant. I was just, I used to be so much more fiery. I just, you know, something used to piss me off and I'd be like, bam, straight for the throat. Like I could, you know, really take someone down. Not something I'm proud of, but I definitely don't do that now. Um, and so he did sleep in the spare room and I slept in our bed. And um, in the morning I was still kind of like, fuck him, fucking idiot. And so I've woken up and I have gone for a beach walk and the sunrise. So this is um, something that I used to do a lot and um, was just that time for me, go clear my head, have um, my own space. Then after my beach walk, um, funnily enough, I have um, this on my phone too. When I was beach walking, I also like go on my phone and I had um, this quote that I wanted to post but it didn't actually mean anything to me at the time so I didn't post it but um, I'll I'll share it um, because it just talks about like um, angel wings and being broken and all that sort of stuff but it didn't really resonate with my life at the time so I didn't post it and because I've screenshot it it has the date the time like everything that I was out about so I finished my beach walk and still kind of like that didn't really work so I was like oh Coles is open now go and do the groceries I've done the groceries come home and started meal prepping and Horn was trying to be like I'm sorry and I'm just like just go away just go away like I was still pushing away I was just being stubborn and I didn't you know want to give him the time of day and so he's like okay so he took the kids out into the swimming pool and they're all swimming and they're out there and it was a really hot day and I had all like the doors closed and the air con on and it got to be you know close to lunchtime I can't remember the exact time and I'm like, kids, you have to come in for lunch. So we were in having lunch with the kids and Horn had stayed outside. Um, the kids, we had like a little um, a rock, like garden, something around the perimeter of the pool. The kids used to piff rocks into the pool and it broke our pool filter all the time. So they were still so little. They were two and four, but they thought it was hilarious to do this. So I had been inside with them and Horn was outside. The last I saw of him, he was jumping in and out of the pool to fetch the rocks out and put them back in the garden. So the, um, the pool filter didn't break. Um, Some time had gone past and I was kind of like feeling a little bit guilty about like how mean I'd been and I'm like, oh my God, he's just staying outside to like keep away from me because I've been so mean to him and um, I I went into the backyard where our swimming pool was and I like put my head around and I couldn't see anything and I was like, oh, he's not out there. So then I went to the front yard and um, he wasn't there either and then I poked my head around to our little shed that we had, thinking he might have been tinkering around in there and he wasn't there. I've gone back inside and I'm like, oh, that's weird. And I'm like, oh, his phone's here, his wallet's here. Like, you know, I think maybe he's gone for a bike ride or maybe he's like, I don't mm. know. Like, he just thought, yeah, honestly, he's just trying to stay away from me. And, um, yeah, like another five, ten minutes, like, passed. I'm like, this is weird. Like, where is he? Maybe he's, like, at the neighbours, like, you know, jumped over the fence and, like, just chatting with him. And um, I've gone out again to the pool and um, we had these like giant plastic owls that we used to have to stop like birds landing and shitting all over this water fountain that we had. And um, they used to fall in the pool all the time 
and they kind of, um, you know, just looked like a, a floating object. Mm. Um, and when I've gone outside the the next time, I've something has like caught caught my eye, and I automatically just because how many times I've seen these owls in the pool, I thought it was that, and then um, it wasn't that. It was Horn. He was in the pool, and I've like looked at him for a little bit, and I'm like, what's he doing? Like he just was like floating and I'm like I, like it just didn't register to me like instantly no. that something bad was happening and I've looked at him and I, maybe like no concept of time if I'm being completely honest maybe like 10 seconds and then like he, he just hasn't come up and so um as pool safety we had like glass pool fencing and um I've like it like uh, the alarms have like started to go off. Like I'm incredibly like distressed at this point that I don't understand what's happening, but I start screaming and I'm like, help, like help me. And like, obviously the kids are inside so they can hear mum screaming. They've like come outside. I'm screaming. I've jumped in the pool, fully clothed in all my sportswear that I had on. Um, and you know, horn, I'm, like five foot two, five foot three. He was like five eleven, six foot, um, and definitely doubled my weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't really in like the shallow end of the pool. He was like in the middle of the pool, and um, he was so incredibly heavy. Like, and I was just trying my hardest to to get him out, and I was still like screaming for someone to help. And um, all of a sudden, like my neighbor, my next door neighbor, he's just appeared and like jumped in the pool and um, pulled him out. And um, then we, at that point, um, have gotten him onto the deck. And I remember looking at him like um, straight away. And I just like started like saying like over and over again, oh my God, he's dead. Oh my God, he's dead. Oh my God, he's dead. And my neighbor was like, no, no, he's not. Like, don't think like that. Don't do that. Um, and we had to um, begin CPR, which, like, I have no idea how to do CPR. But your neighbour did. My, I, I think so. Like, he did more than me. His, his wife, they had small children too, um, and his wife was there as well, and she'd called the ambulance, and they were, like, talking us through what to do. Um, and he was doing the, um, the, the compressions, the heart part um and um I was doing the mouth-to-mouth part and like I had I literally like had no idea what I was doing but I was like so frantically trying to do it that I remember that um I like actually like busted my my lip on his tooth because I was like doing it like so hard and like then I thought like he's bleeding but it was me and um when they were like doing the like the compression part um it was making like water come up and it looked like you know in like the movies like when that happens the person comes back to life yeah so like every kind of like 30 seconds it was like a false alarm that like oh my god this time it's worked like this is just like a really bad like Mm. you know time and we're going to learn our lesson and we're not going to like say these nasty things to each other and we're just going to be completely fine um and then um I don't ever remember hearing any sirens or anything like that, but the paramedics kind of just arrived um, and they, like, pushed us all back and um, they um, gave him, a, like, a, a shot of adrenaline 
and um, that didn't work. And I think they do the the defib with that. I'm not quite sure, but because he'd been in the pool, he was wet, and you can't have the defib machine put on you if you're wet because you will like get electrocuted. So they're all trying madly to um, dry him off so they can like do it. And um, it's such a hot day. Like the day was just so insane. And this, I think by like this point, it maybe is like one o'clock in the day and our deck is like completely drenched in sun. And they're trying to set up these like gazebo things for the paramedics to like not be, you know, in the sun. Because I think they, I, I have no concept of time, but it was definitely maybe like, 20 to minutes to half an hour and they pulled um one of the paramedics pulled me away and they're like you need to call someone and I'm like why why do I need to call someone like I don't I don't I don't understand and it's like you need people to be here with you and I'm like well he's here with me like I don't like I don't understand like what's going on like because I thought that like they were like even though I thought from the beginning of him coming out of the water like I thought he was like dead then Mm. but i didn't really think he was like I was kind of being like oh my god like they're just gonna fix him and like it will be fine the kids had gone to the next door neighbor's house by this point they weren't there for all of that um and so I was like I don't like even know where my phone is like you want me to like go inside and get my phone and like call someone like who am I gonna call like I can't call my mom like she's gonna be like worried like I don't want to scare anyone like I don't want to like who do I get to come here like I'm an adult like, mm. um, so I ended up calling my best friend and they were, um, on their way to lunch cause it was lunchtime and, um, she didn't answer. And I was like, oh, she didn't answer. Like, who do I, like, who do I call now? And I'm like, and they're like, you need to call someone. Like they're being like really nice, but firm about it. And so, um, then, um, I called her, um, fiance and um, he answered and that must have been on speakerphone in the car. And they're like, hey, like, how are you? Like, we're just off to rickshaws for lunch and da-da-da-da. And I was just like, Juan's dead. And my best friend's fiancé was actually at our house that morning. He had, like, been there, seen Horn, wow. Like, you know, he was completely fine. Like, there was nothing, like, wrong with him. Um, and so they're like fuck off, you're joking. And I'm like, Horn's dead. Like he he had an accident. Like he's like drowned in the swimming pool. Um, and so obviously they've like cancelled lunch and come straight over. And um, then like the paramedics were just basically like, I'm sorry. Like, that, and that was it. They just kind of like packed up and left. And the police were there at that stage because like it's not a usual thing for a young healthy male yeah. to um drown in the the swimming pool at home so you know they had to come in and they like search the house and like you know to make sure there was no like foul play or if there was any reason why this could have happened and um you know they, were, they had to question me like mm. what was going on and I was like I don't want to do this I just want to be like outside with him like he's just sitting there and at this point they um didn't get the like gazebo up properly so he was just literally like lying out there alone on the deck while they were questioning me and um they couldn't move him until they like eliminated that there was no foul play like quickly like um yeah and um so I just remember I just it was like there in all my clothes like I'm wet like I've still got runners on and there I'm just like I'm just kept saying like I'm so sorry 
like I I didn't I'm so sorry and they're like you and like I couldn't remember like what they're asking me and like um I wasn't crying I didn't cry at all at the time um and I just basically said like I need to go back out there and so I laid down on the deck with him and kind of like snuggled into him like we were in like bed position and um I just remember like how like it felt like we were on holidays like I was just like lying in like a, a hammock together and there was like nice warm sun on us and the clouds were going past and it was just me and him but like he felt so cold like he felt cold but the sun felt so nice and warm and then um yeah after um the police left they were able to to move him into the shade where then I laid with him again and they were like you know you need to go and stay at someone else's house you can't be here but the coroner was taking such a long time to come and I was like I'm not leaving him here like once he's left like I can leave but like I'm not going to leave him out there by himself so it felt really important for you to stay yeah with him and stay connected there yeah definitely and um you know, like that was going to be like the last time that like I would ever like see or touch him. And, you know, I knew like I had to have a conversation with him that like I was just sorry. Yeah. And that like the things that I said I didn't mean and that I loved him and that we've had a great life and I'm so grateful for everything that he did for me and our family. And yeah, I just... I just never thought that was like it for us like mm. that you know he's crazy person motorbikes and all yeah. that sort of stuff and you know he you know passed away like three meters away from me like I was there the whole time and didn't matter how busy our schedules were Sunday was always family day mm. we never like socialized really with other people on Sundays because we were always working or we did things Friday and Saturday nights but Sunday was always family day and it just felt so weird that like you know it was Sunday and he was at home with his family and yeah just a really weird scenario but yeah made me feel really fucking shit that you know, the last things I said to him were so horrible when I didn't even mean them. Mm. I was just being a bitch and I have to, like, stay with that forever. So, yeah, that's why I guess it's really important to me with, like, the angel cards and stuff that he appears and still talks to me so I know that, like, he doesn't hate me mm. and that he knows that I love him. Because your relationship with him now has really changed, hasn't it? There's yeah. still a relationship there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know whether that's woo-woo or not, like, um, you know, whatever people need to to deal with what's happened to them, what makes them feel better or what makes them feel connected. Um, yeah. But that was a, obviously one of the uh, the worst day of my life and the fact that that happened but then all the, the negative words that I said to him too are attached to that is just, yeah, really shit. And what happened following all of that ash what happened that evening um so i didn't stay there that night um i went and stayed at my best friend's house and um i thought i was like fine ish like i wasn't but um she was like do you want me to sleep with you and um i'm like no no like you go sleep you know with your fiance 
Um, and like I didn't sleep at all. I just like laid staring at the ceiling and then um, must have been when the sun was coming up, I just went and had a look at the sun and then um, went to the bathroom and I just like sat on the floor and that's when I started crying. Yeah. And she must have heard me, I'm not quite sure. And she came in and I was just like, this is real. Like yeah. this really happened. Like this isn't a dream. It's not going away. He's not coming back. And just hard. And then that day um, I did go back home after that. Um, the kids had stayed at my mum's house the night and I went, um, which may seem really odd to some people, but just I guess how full I am, I am with like organising stuff. Um, the first thing I did is I went home and I packed up all of his clothes mm-hmm. and I don't know why I did that. Like I have no idea why I did it and my friend was like, you don't need to do this right now. Like what are you doing? And I'm like, no, I need to do it right now. I need to do it by myself. Like I just want to be alone. And I don't know whether it was even just to be with his things. Like I don't yeah. I don't know why I did it because it's very bizarre. I know people whose partners pass away like in, the, in a year's time their clothes are still there. Yeah. So everyone's different with what's right for them. But like I just wanted everything to be, you know, I'm keeping these, like, these are for his parents. These are for, like, yeah, it was just bizarre that I did that now that I look back. But what was that process like for you? Um, to be honest, I don't really remember it. Like, I know that I did it and that's maybe I was just working out of, like, robot. Like, I yep. don't know. But that's a real blur. I know that I did it. I know that I packed it all up and then I don't recall feeling like anything, mm. which is I'm in therapy. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty much, like, the, um, the the story to, like, of what actually happened. Um, and then I guess there's a lot more that will – what are you thinking, Courts, just because I don't want to keep talking yeah. if we're going to break it into – I think I want to ask, like, yeah. afterwards, yep. what did the autopsy reveal, like, actually happened? Yeah. And maybe what you said to the kids. Yeah, yep. So it took so long for the autopsy result to come. Like it w- it took maybe like 14 months. Like it was so long. And obviously things like life insurance and everything were on a complete hold until that. So up until that point, what did you think? How he, how did you think he drowned? We had had like conversations um, on the day of Horn's funeral. Um, I had opted for um, an open casket because he passed so um, suddenly, I, well, not at the actual funeral, a viewing prior to the funeral, because he passed so suddenly um, I had heard that people, you know, get to say goodbye and, it, yeah. Um, so for me, when I was laying with Horn that day, he looked like Horn, he looked completely fine. And then I was like, yep, you know, he's going to have makeup on, like he's going to look better. And um, I had really pushed for the funeral to be on the Friday and not for it to go like into a new week. So it was only a small turnaround time. Um, So they didn't put makeup on him. And um, his mum and I went into the viewing first. And um, when we both saw him, like that's her son, like she loves him, like regardless of anything but when I saw him I was like holy fuck I was like mm. no one like he did not look like horn he didn't look happy he didn't look good like it was just the worst thing that I probably could have ever had done but th- they didn't warn me that he wasn't going to have makeup on 
So, like, he did not look like Horn at all. And um, when his mum, I went in with her and when she'd finished saying goodbye, um, I had kind of just said, no one else is coming in here. Mm. Like, it's a firm, like, unless it's immediate family, not a friend, not a person that's just come to show their respect, there is no one that's going to see him like that. I'd much prefer them to remember him the way that he was and not like that. So the autopsy, um, sorry, when you asked that question, he had a little like cut on his nose and, um, you know, I didn't recall seeing it the day before but I wasn't speaking to him so I don't know whether that was there. So there had been like, you know, everyone has their true sense of like what happened. Oh, he's bumped his head. Like, you know, there was that little mark, you know, like, you know, because like my parents came over the day of um, when I finally did call them to say that it's happened. Um, like he's definitely bumped his head. That's what happened. Like he's unconscious. And I'm like, I don't know. Like maybe. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, so the, probably the, like the shittest part of this whole thing and it took so long for it to come back is that his cause of death is drowning. But what his autopsy said is that there's this thing that's called hypoxia where you have um, elevated oxygen levels when you're diving in and out of water and you can basically just like lose consciousness. But then they also said that there's like a cardiac arrhythmia. It wasn't a heart attack. It was like cardiac arrhythmia mixed with this, mixed with that, like wrong place, wrong time, that if he wasn't in a pool, he wouldn't have passed away. Like it was just like a wrong place, like wrong time thing, which is shit. Like that's probably was like the hardest thing to digest because like at least the bumping of the head like made more sense. Like it wasn't just like you, how can, you know, and wrong place, wrong time happens to people all the time. Yeah. But like to accept that as like the reason why you don't have someone is like, you know, really shitty and to wait that long, like it felt like they made it up. It didn't even feel like mm. real. It felt like just like Dr. Mumbo Jumbo. Did you feel like once you had – did you anticipate when you received the answer it was going to feel more like closure? No. And because it took so long, I dealt with it a very early on that it, whatever it says, he's not coming back. Whatever it says, like it's not going to change, you know, anything. So while I had to wait for it, um, I – and because it took so long that like I had a long enough time to like process that like whatever it says, like it – and what about the kids? So because of their age being two and four, um, I was very um, – and Monique knows through, like, our sessions that I've taken a really, like, structured way of dealing with the kids and how I've allowed people to not um, – well, what people say in front of them, the tone that they talk about horn in and everything that is always in, like, a positive light. Um, they still – still don't 100% know what happened to dad um, and that's because I didn't want them to develop a fear of the pool. I didn't want them to think that, you know, they're going to go swimming and something bad's going to happen to them. Like obviously water safety is like a huge thing for me. Like when they're playing and they're yelling out, help, I'm drowning, like that is literally like sends mm. like shockwaves through my whole body or like you know, even hanging out around pools is extremely, like, stressful for me sometimes depending on my mood. Um, so for the funeral I explained 
where we were going as like daddy's goodbye party. And that's pretty much all they needed to really get, know and understand at that age. Like they, they, I didn't have the, I was always very direct, like daddy isn't coming back. Daddy is, you know, I never said he's on a holiday or I didn't make anything up. I was just very short with the answers. And then obviously now that they're getting older, hence family therapy also, their questions are starting to develop. So they just, yeah, they just basically, I didn't go into too much. I'm just said like, daddy isn't here. Daddy's not coming back. Um, and then the, we're going to daddy's goodbye party. And um, always when we talk about him, I'll be like, you know, daddy loved to drink beer. Daddy loved pepperoni pizza. Like daddy loved this. Dad, what colour were daddy's eyes? Like I always kind of keep it very positive, very um, like memorable for them because they – don't have any of their own memories and that's the saddest part like it's a catch-22 it's a blessing that they're so young that like I can shape them to you know help deal with the situation but then the other thing is like their only memory is like what I show them like what they think is their memory is a video I've shown them or a photo or a story I've told them and you know that's as a parent is heartbreaking that like their dad was so amazing and spent so much time with them and did would do anything for them and they just have no like recollection of that for themselves and you know you know you've got parent or children and you think about all the amazing things that they do for you through your life and that you just have no like no inkling of what that feels and like Eden is amazing with the boys but having your own like biological child and them feeling that like you can feel it so yeah but they're super resilient but they're they're I've always been aware that their time will come in the future. It's not like now. It's when they really understand emotions and pain and loss and happy occasions or like I wish my dad was here and, you know, they're the things that upset me the most. It's like I can deal with what I miss out on but like thinking about what they'll miss out on makes me really upset. Well, Ash, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. I obviously have known you for years and so I knew that story from lots of other people I'd never heard you tell it firsthand so that was quite moving so thank you for sharing that that's okay thank you for allowing me to do so and you know the while like it it's still hard to talk about it's something that I definitely want to be talking about I don't think that you know um, and this is what Monique and I have spoken about and why Monique agreed to come onto the podcast is that it's important for people when you have something in your life and Courtney you can relate when you have something in your life that isn't really what's going on in everyone else's life and if it feels like you can't talk about it or you're imposing or it's a pity party and you know it's a huge chunk of your life and you have to hide it away from people for their comfort so I kind of wanted to take a stand and you know Mm. share my story and it's not for sympathy it's really for like awareness and it's to you know create awareness also for mental wellness and therapy and you know, when Eden and I um, first, you know, reached out to Monique and we um, went to visit her, like he sat down and we're like, oh, we've got a story for you. And then there's me and I'm like, oh, I've got a story too. And so, and then obviously we have the three kids and running a family. And I was like, you know, we're going to be here for fucking years. Like this is going to be <laughs> a big, big session. Like we'd usually sell it in packs. Like how does this work? So, but yeah, and that was um, just over a year ago 
now, I would say. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. So, and we've worked through different things, which it's family orientated in the beginning, as I Mm -hmm. said, and then obviously Eden and I have kind of like um, done some sessions together and then I've paired off, I'm sorry, I've broken away now and been like, I'm ready to do the work and some sessions on my own to deal with the things that I had been suppressing. And um, that's what in next week's episode, we are going to touch more on that, um, more about the work and the tools and um, the process. And Monique will share. I feel like I did a lot of talking then, Mm -hmm. but um, Monique is definitely going to be sharing a lot more of her um, knowledge and insights into grief and loss and, um, you know, different tools and things that we've used or things that, you know, are helpful for other people. So um, stay tuned for next week's episode. Monique will be back with us. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) I'm Ash. And just remember, we're all flawed, but we're also fucking fabulous. This episode today has dealt with material of a particularly sensitive nature around the topic of trauma, death and loss. If you are experiencing distress or feeling triggered, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or refer to the show notes for additional supports. This podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. To stay up to date with me, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a review and follow me on Instagram at Love Ash.